This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Hello and welcome to the Back of the Nest Review Show. I'm your host Mike and I'm joined by Hambo and Cy Pizzi as we look back at the game that every single media source in the country has reminded us several times about that was Palace's biggest ever away Premier League win. A 5-1 schooling of Slavin Bilic's West Brom. We'll be back to discuss it after this. Back of the Nest Review Show, sponsored by Pitch Sport. Available to download on the App Store and Google Play. PitchDMM.com Yes, hello, we're here to talk about a win. Yeah, yeah, etc. Um, the more observant among you may notice that I am not Christopher Hambling, uh, and yet he's on the pod. But... Um, us doing this is a labour of love and uh, sometimes work gets in the way. Um, so Hambo was working hard today um, and so I'm emceeing uh, and he's going to be the best pundit he can be. Hambo, you okay? Yeah, not bad, mate. Not bad. I did notice that you initially said Slav and Bitch in your intro, but we're obviously keeping that because um, uh, that was fun. <laughs> I mean, he, um, was, he was the bitch, really. Not yeah, that. absolutely. He was Roy's bitch for the day. Um more Benteke's bitch, perhaps Eze's bitch. Who knows? But he was definitely a B. Yeah, um, I mean, also just as an update, um, for the second time in recent, well, in three weeks, I poisoned myself with expired almond milk, and I've come to the conclusion man was not meant to milk an almond. So, uh, just a, a cautionary tale for everybody there. Oh, absolutely! Don't touch almond milk with. I mean, for a start, you put it in tea, and it's so thin that it just curdles unless it's fifty-fifty. Uh, yeah, no, you'd you know fool you twice. Um, yeah, <laughs> but the thing is, is it has a date on the front of it, like milk does, right? But with milk, you you can use it up to that date. But with almond milk, the date is way in the future. Yet it goes off after five days. However, if you are when I use it, I'm asleep because I've just woken up. I'm trying to make coffee. I can't really work my brain and 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 stumble around a kitchen too well. So. It is confusing. I look at it, it's in date, I use it, and then, you know, roughly two weeks into something that expired after five days, it does cause you digestive issues. Yeah, and I mean, it tastes like shit when it's not off. So, hey. uh, having hey. said that, I have managed to 
Pardish off two bottles of almond Baileys um, in the last eight days. Um, so that was an expensive habit. Um, Sai, hello, how you doing? Yeah, not too bad. How are you? Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm good. Um, I mean, I think perhaps you want to share with us the um, the photo that you you, you shared on the WhatsApp group. Um, I, I think mean, that's the that world needs to hear. That was deep. So it was basically. I'm going to paraphrase because you know what I'm like with. Uh, with that sort of words, but basically it was like a fake NHS um, wash your hands, you know, COVID poster. And it said, uh, wash your hands like you've been with a girl from Croydon. So I was deeply offended because everyone here doesn't know that I'm from there necessarily. And I was just pointing out that first few of my girlfriends were from Croydon. They were all clean and I have no diseases. Um, so yeah, that, that, that hit me deep, but it's been a while since I've been on since before lockdown. So uh, and, and I'm just glad it's audio because uh, I'm increasingly getting more and more excited every time I see Hambo with his amazing <laughs> weight loss journey. So it's good that it's audio today. Otherwise, I don't think I'm able to control myself. Yeah, you're you're becoming quite concerning. Um, but yeah, it's let's, fine. Let's, fine. let's move on. Uh, yeah, I mean, Sai is obviously in Leicester for those people that have not heard him before. Um, so yeah, bit of a, uh, a weekly update on all things Palace. First of all, the... Um, Palace fans, Xmas appeal, Christmas appeal. Um, the GoFundMe page is still up. Um, and when I checked earlier, there have been 113 people that had donated money. It was up to 2,300 and something quid. But it's still up there. I mean, it's disappeared down people's feeds a little bit sometimes. But if you go to the HF um, Twitter, they've got it, I think, as their top, as their pinned tweet. So um, give a few pounds. It's for... Um, it's for, for kids, uh, Salvation Army providing kids with presents who otherwise couldn't afford it. Um, and we've talked before how there's plenty of those around this year, even more than usual. Um, a little bit from the website, uh, there's an Ask Roy segment. Um, so by the time you hear this, um, the chance to ask Roy a question may have expired because I think it's midnight on Monday uh, and we're recording on Monday. But uh, season ticket holders and members are allowed to submit any question to him. I presume there'll be some fairly funny ones, um, and then we'll see how he answers them. Um, and before we get on to the, the results for um, the other sides, the other Palace sides, um, Hambo, quick update on the, what they wrote about Kenny Sampson. Yeah, uh, update appeared um, basically as we were preparing for the show, really, and it's uh, I'll read it in full. It's on the official site if you want to check in yourself. Um, so the family of Kenny Sampson wish to update Crystal Palace supporters on Kenny's health following reports earlier this year that he was hospitalised. Uh, so the good news is that Kenny is out of hospital and settled in new accommodation, but he has been diagnosed with, I'm going to call it Wernicke-Korsakoff syndrome, uh, and it's a type of brain disorder and a form of dementia. Um, he's in the early stages of the illness, uh, which is reversible and treatable, um, pleasingly. So with the support of his family and carers, he's on the first steps on his, of his road to recovery. Those closest to him are encouraged by his progress and the positive attitude he is showing in difficult circumstances. The family would like his and their privacy to be respected. And as always, everyone at Crystal Palace Football Club wishes Kenny well and we look forward to welcoming him back to Salas Park again soon. I have to say, you know, you, you fear the worst when you get um, you know, a notification that says update on Kenny Sansom's health. But pleasingly, um, you know, they've, they've obviously identified a very serious condition, but the fact that it is treatable and reversible um, is, is is really pleasing to hear, and obviously best wishes from from all of us at back of the nest for for Kenny. Uh, you know, a true Palace legend, one of the finest players ever to have come from the academy. Some say, you know, to this day is the finest. Um, you know, he's got good competition there in Wilf, but 
an astonishing footballer. And, and when you look to what he achieved, you know, in his career, uh, not just the, the time he was with Palace, but the time afterwards, you know, fantastic England player and, you know, well-publicised issues, but um, but someone we can rightly be proud of. I think the key word is definitely reversible. Um, yeah, echo Hambo's comments. Um, so the under-23s played uh, Fulham under-23s last week, last Friday. Um, very, very strange game by the sound of it. Uh, so Max Mayer started. Um, maybe a comment from Sai about that. Uh, we went 2-0 up, only to lose 5-2. Um, and um, Mayer was substituted but only after the score was 5-2 with about six minutes to go. So, um, I mean, sorry, Max? I know. It's, it's, it's you know, I'm a big Max fan and it's a shame that he, I just don't think he's been given a fair crack of the whip. Others disagree with me. But the first comment on the CPFC Facebook page after the questions for Roy was, can someone ask Roy, does he remember who Max Mayer was? Which I thought was, <laughs> was quite amusing. It made me laugh when I read that. But yeah, no, he, d- he didn't play very well, to be fair, in, in, in that game. And I think he's often always played in circumstances where we've got 10 minutes left and we're 1-0 down. And uh, the game I always remember him playing really well on was that performance up at the Etihad where um, we, we managed to get a result up there. So fond memories of that game. But definitely, I think he will be leaving one of the next transfer windows, if not when his contract ends. Well, if he plays in the under-23s and they ship five, that's not going to help him. Um, I mean, the Palace under-18s also ship five against Spurs, um, 5-1 five, five, on Saturday. So, strangely, um, three games involving five goals for one of the sides over the weekend. Um, and then four goals for Liverpool as as they heavily beat Palace women 4-0 at the same time as as the men's side were playing. Um, did not sound like a good game. Palace are now, um, I think they're... Um, if I remember rightly, I think they're nine points from eight games. Um, you know, still still well away from the bottom, but um, yeah, definitely need to uh, improve that a little bit. And one last thing I haven't put on the show, Doc, I just noticed. Martin Kelly is to play an online chess game against an international chess master on December the 8th. Um, so that's tomorrow. And he'll face London-born Javanka Hushka, a nine-time British women's chess champion. So if that's not the most random as fuck thing of the week, then I don't know what is. Did, um, you, did you make that up? Is that, no, it's is that it's, real? it's the it's the main story on the Palace page as we talk. So I I, I feel like I've never wanted to tune in for a chess game, but Martin Kelly, um, yeah, that's uh, that's exciting. Hmm. Uh, yeah, well, let's let's get to the game, shall we? Enough of this, can we? Uh, I mean, we, we're going to plug the YouTube, and I, obviously, and I know it's not in the show doc, but I think we wanted to hear. From Dr. Kerners in particular, didn't we? Oh, okay. Well, uh, yeah, we can go for that now. Yeah. Um, so, I think we need to hear some wise words from Dr. Um, that came out of his mouth during the game. Off you go. Yeah, come on. We're, we're not. This is this is perfect for us. Now we can just sit back. This is what Roy gets. You know, wet dreams over. One nil up in the first five minutes. <laughs> What a lovely image that was of a 74 year old man having a wet dream. Thanks, dear. This is Appreciate it. I'm sure, sure everyone's enjoying that as well at home. That's a, yeah. Hey, if he, if he is, fair play to him at that age. <laughs> I think that's quite enough of that. But that's the kind of fun we have on our watch-alongs. Um, if you don't know what they are, um, you're not alone. I didn't know what they were before I started doing them. But on Back of the Nest YouTube channel, during games, especially while we can't get to them, uh, we watch the entire match. You get our reactions, uh, and you can watch along with us. Lots of people sync their um, uh, 
their their TVs to us by pausing and, and watch along with us and just just get our views as the game goes. And we do talk mostly sensibly, but you know, Dr. leads the charge there, and some of the things that come out of his mouth are are just breathtaking. Um, and you've experienced that, I'm sure, as listeners to the podcast. Uh, but you get absolutely unfiltered live DR in those watch-alongs. So do join us for those. Like and subscribe on the YouTube channel for all our content. Yeah, he's doing sterling work, absolutely sterling work. And uh, <clears throat> I know that he is a huge, huge Benteke fan. So let's get off to uh, a start with discussing the lineup by uh, discussing the rationale um, from Roy as to why Benteke was his choice. Um it's uh, it's something that he discussed uh, after the game, but before the game, what what do you reckon his his thoughts were for the uh, f- for the upfront pairing of Zaha and Benteke for this one? Well, interestingly, um, again we we talked about it pre game uh, on, on the watch long, and Dr was was much more positive than Patrick was on the in the lineup selection. Um, basically, kind of kind of mirroring mirroring what I thought, which is we you know we did need to see something a bit different. The, the last two games hadn't gone well. And you start looking at what what can you do up the pitch, the way we're playing. Uh, and if you saw Benteke come off the bench um, uh, in in the previous match, he you know he he held the ball up really well and and brought others into play. And you just thought maybe you know maybe there's something there that we can use. I don't think any of us expected him to score goals beforehand, but you know in terms of in terms of the selection of Benteke and and the overall lineup, I was really pleased to see changes. There are elements that I'm sure we'll talk about that were still a little bit confusing and a little bit mystifying. Um, but ultimately, winning the game 5-1, I give lots of reasons why that was. But um, I think it was very much a, a selection that was, was vindicated. Um, and I don't know far, how far you want to get into it, Mike, but I really want to sort of get straight into praising Benteke. It wasn't just about... You know, Roy was a little dismissive, wasn't he, pre-game? If you remember, he, he talked about it being kind of the final choice combination to try for goals because we hadn't scored with uh, with Batshuayi leading the line with, with Zaha. We hadn't scored with Ayu and Batshuayi together. Um, so it was basically the last thing that he could try with the strikers he had available. So, you know, part of me thinks there's an argument to say we should have tried that sooner. But it was a complete striker's performance. It wasn't just about the fact that he got a couple of goals. Uh, he had a hand in, in, in another as well. But if you just looked at the way he was playing, it, he was his first touch play was superb. Lots of one-twos, lots of clever clever balls around the corner, runs into the channels. But more, more often than not, he was right in the middle of the goal when the ball was out wide. And how often we see nobody playing that striker role is incredibly frustrating. And I think that made a huge difference in the, in the game. Well, funnily enough, post-game... Roy um, said that he he he's ha- he's got a happy headache for the first time ever in that he's got centre backs and, and strikers, um, all of which are much of a muchness, muchness in terms of quality. Um, and he said he's got four strikers um, that he said he could play. He trusts them all to play, um, and he has to leave two upset each time. Um, so m- maybe let's hear a, a quick clip from him uh, post match, and then we'll get Sai to have a, a comment on what he thinks. Talking to centre forwards as well, uh, I do want to talk about Christian because Christian doesn't always get the most positive headlines. But you speak to me consistently about the efforts and what he does contribute to the team away from just goals. But two goals today for Christian, how important was that going to be for his confidence going forward? Well, I would like to think it's very important. I'd like to think he's going to get a lot of plaudits and, and 
flowers, as you said, you know, for his performance, because it wasn't just the goals. There was a lot of other aspects to his play which were good. He's waited a long time, if you like. He's been on the bench for quite a while this season so far without actually getting in and showing what he can do. And that's even going back into the lockdown period. So he's been patient, but he's never stopped working, to be fair to him. And uh, today, I think he showed the type of player that he, he was when Palace brought him from Liverpool. And he showed, once again, everybody out there that I haven't lost anything. I'm still Christian Benteke. You can still rely upon me. And uh, he's now got to he's now got to keep that going because the thing about players' performances they need to be consistent. You can sit here talking like I am with you, very happy that the two players you mentioned have had good games, but I need them to have good games in the next three coming up as well. And that that that's the real test: that consistency and that reliability. So, sorry to me that suggests again, like Hambo said that he was talking about pre-game. Um, actually, Roy had kept. Benteke on the, uh, at the back of his mind for a little while and he's played him because he just wants to try one other thing um, and that's good in that Hodgson's actually trying different things because we've criticised him for not doing that in the past. Um, do, is that what you take from from, the, from that little snippet we've stuck in there? Yeah, I think I definitely think so and firstly, I think he will get a headache if he's having loads of wet dreams. That is a side effect at his age, I'm pretty sure. But I, I think back, back, to, back to Benteke, I think... You know what, I've never lost faith in him. I put a tweet out on Sunday saying, every time I've watched him play, he, he, he links the defence with the um, with the attack so well. You know, the ball sticks to him, he, he knocks it around to um, the player either side of him. And quite often there's no one around him, so it doesn't work. But um, we don't cross the ball enough. But for me, I, 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 I've never lost faith in him. And, and come back into the team, I don't think he's ever going to give a bad performance from the point of view of, yes, he doesn't score. But then Shamat didn't score lots of goals. Um, but Shamat link the play up as well really well so I think uh, I, I think Hodgson's definitely had that in the back of his head Hodgson said he trains well and he likes what he sees in training so he so he was confident that he would be able to get that performance and I think the way he linked up with with Eze and Zaha throughout the game was really impressive okay so well let me let me ask Hambo this then Andy on Twitter at, at Mr May 99 said is Eze Tekers and Wilf the best forward line to start with for what is worth I think so um I mean why not Batshuayi? What, 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 what made him choose Benteke yesterday? Well, it's an interesting one, isn't it? I mean, Batshuayi hasn't been much of a, a success since he came back. There's a lot of focus on the the offside goals that he scored, showing that he is a poacher, uh, playing on the shoulder and all that kind of stuff. It just comes back down to that that discussion about how we play. For so long, there's been nothing about our football that has suited Christian Benteke. And it has suited a player like Jordan Ayew who will just run the whole pitch all game. But this this shift this year, if anything, it's 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 less in favour of Batshuayi and much more in favour of Christian Benteke. And it's as Sai was saying, the the bodies around him, that was the difference. And and we'll talk about him all day today, but in particular Eze coming in off the left. Because you know, in Andy's comment there, he's talked about Eze, Benteke and Wilf as the best forward line. Well, the forward line is just is Benteke and Wilf. It's, you know, it's the job of the players playing out wide. And, and Jeffrey Schlupp as well, playing out of position, playing wide right, did exactly the same thing. Got involved, came in from the flank into central areas. No, nowhere near as much as Eze, but he was an extra body up there as well. So at times you had Benteke with Wilf buzzing around him and Eze buzzing around him and Jeffrey Schlupp buzzing around him. If you do that, the defence really have a much, much harder job. They don't, you know, they played a back three and 
you know that back three didn't have the the kind of pleasure that they had last would have had last season of playing up against one striker and, and completely dominating. They had to deal with the fact that they were being pulled all over the place by Zaha and then occasionally overloaded by, by other players coming in from the wide midfield areas. And then if, if MacArthur um, got forward as well, which he did at times, you know, we had so many more bodies causing problems. And that's why you saw that performance from Benteke. There's not been anything missing in his ability, certainly in confidence there has been, but stick him up top, play to his strengths and getting him to hold the ball up and just work around him. And you, you can see what he can bring to a team. Um, yes, this game, we shouldn't get overexcited about the space that we got in the second half to score all the goals because of you know the fact it was a poor team down to 10 men. Absolutely important we think about that. But the signs were great. And, and to me, it's exactly as I said, it's about getting people around Benteke. So yes, in answer to, to Andy, those three in particular should be involved together. But the system we're playing this year is about having a front two with the, with the wide players getting involved as well. So if, if anything, it's having a front four at times. Yeah, that's true. It's, uh, the only irony being that the second goal seems, in retrospect, the furthest from a typical Benteke goal I could possibly imagine in my mind. But um, <laughs> he's got that in him and we've seen it before. So um, Andy Hode, um, Andy the Twat 1992 uh, on Twitter, um, said that was probably the best starting lineup for him, apart from maybe taking PV off for Mitch, PVA off for Mitchell. Well, we've, we've discussed that before, and MacArthur for Riederveld. So, um, I mean, it's frustrating for all of us when Jairo doesn't start because you know we want him to. He said he's the, the the sort of the young blood in the squad, uh, him and Eze that we've we've all been wanting. So, what was it that made him again only make the bench? And what difference did that make to the first half, Hamburg? Um, Well, Roy has the trusted players, doesn't he? Um, And Gyro at the moment has has dropped out of the trust to to accommodate Luca and MacArthur starting. I wholeheartedly support the Luca decision. Many don't. But I thought yesterday was a fine example of what he does bring in, in screening the defence very, very effectively. And he did that really well in the first half. I thought he was one of the players who did have a decent game first half. And I think the first half really does expose the problems of not starting Jairo Riedeveld. Nothing wrong with MacArthur's overall performance and, and ultimate respect for him. But, you know, the mobility in the midfield was extremely poor first half. You know, Luca was stuck doing that screening role. And... You know, with with eleven v eleven, the, the midfield was effectively non-existent at times, and and I found that really frustrating to watch. And Gyro just gives you better passing ability, better vision, calmness, and a deceptive amount of pace as well. So for me, it still goes down. Despite winning five one, it still goes down as a slightly baffling decision, for, for, in my opinion. I agree with you, Chris. I definitely think you should have started Gyro. As much as I love Jimmy Mack, and he kind of got a bit of big man crush on him still. I, I think he's probably getting towards the stage where he will be more a backup to someone like a gyro um, starting more often and you definitely you definitely saw that in the first half 11 v 11 that that they were bypassing our midfield and uh, again though I agree with you about Luca I think he was a really important decision bringing him back in and he's probably the best we've got in the squad at screening that that back four so yeah I agree on both counts but definitely would like to see gyro back in against Spurs well interestingly Roy said post-match that he thought we um, we played well in the first half. I mean, we've heard that before. Um, and he, he, he said we looked dangerous. Um, but then he made a, a strange comment that 
Ray Lewington made the half-time team talk and that he told everyone to to just play with a bit more urgency, a little bit quicker, um, which I, I haven't got the quote in front of me, but I know Benteke said as well that the team played just, just a bit faster. Um, and perhaps Jairo may have offered that as well. Um, on, on that, Mike, if- just, I think that's a really important point because it's not really about who delivered the team talk. It's not not unusual for... You know, for the assistant to do that, especially not uh, you know, the assistant as vocal as <laughs> as Ray is. But I think where we struggle, right, where where we have a problem with Hodgson's style and, and you know and, and the way he operates is there's no reason you can't play with that urgency. Now that message was given especially because they had ten men, and what you what we all know, and, and we you know Palace have struggled with over the years is when you when your team goes down to ten. You make the pitch as big as possible. So you you switch flanks, you move people about, you tire them out, um, because sometimes you do have to be really patient until you get that opportunity. Um, so so my problem straight away, even though we're off the back of a five-one, is start with that urgency, start with that pace, because we got the capability to do it. And it just that you know I couldn't help having that little nagging feeling that you shouldn't take till half time to have that conversation. No, indeed. Well, let's um, let's go something a bit more positive. Um, Nathaniel Klein has been, to me, getting increasing props um, as the games have gone on. Obviously, he hadn't played a lot of games in a long time um, and he's improved enormously. But our own DR put out a, um, a tweet giving him some props after the game um, that went a little bit viral. Um, Nathaniel Klein... Shout out to him because he hasn't got the appreciation he deserves. Even when we struggled as a team, he's had some good games. Got a lovely assist. Happy for the guy. He's back home enjoying football again after years of the struggle. Um, Absolutely. I mean, as you said, and as we've discussed before, um, very much this season, the overlapping um, wing-backs is is a part of the the game plan and it's it's working well. and that's probably the reason that PVA is keeping his place. So, you know, people keep discussing Mitchell and I know DR's opinions on that. But um, put, putting him aside, Klein, obviously free agent. Um, there was very little murmurs of appreciation when he came back. A lot of people saying we shouldn't look to the past and that kind of thing. What makes it even more sweet is that he is a player that already was, you know, in, in our hearts. And I, I chose him in my favourite every eleven. Um, and to see him just coming in and doing so well, obviously the downside is that Ward's not getting game time. But I mean, Klein just is that extra dimension going forward, as well as just increasingly looking like a rock at the back. Um, and I, I, it, it, it would be criminal if come January we don't give him a contract. I don't know what he's on at the moment, but um, it, we must be getting a, a first team player for absolute peanuts. I agree with you, and I, he's in my all-time team as well. He's, he's been quality since he came back for me, and he's getting stronger all the time and fitter all the time. It reminds me of the same circumstance where uh, we signed Damien Delaney after you know he was close to, to finishing, and we signed him for a short-term, I think, contract to begin with, and then then signed him up on a longer-term deal after he performed really well for the first few months. And I think we should should just say McLean, you know, still got years I think ahead of him, and he can bring forward the younger younger players in the squad. So it's a win-win for me. And as I said, I think he's been really, really strong. And I think, you know, he, 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 anyone else would struggle to get back in the team. I can't see Ward getting back in the team. And, and obviously other players are far away in terms of recovery, but I can't see Ward getting back with Klein playing now he is. 
Well, Ferguson is is getting closer all the time, but yeah, you're right. He's going to have a, a battle on his hands to to start. Interesting. The only thing I would say about Klein is is every you know you both said it. He's got better with every game, without any shadow of a doubt, um, and and you know almost back to his best. But I do I do like the fact that we actually used him in this game <laughs> in an attacking sense. Yeah. Um, because that's been missing. He, he's constantly making those overlapping runs. Again, if you look at the average positions uh, from this game, he actually he's actually averaged more advanced than PVA was. Um, partly that was because PVA was targeted, um, as as any opposition would do, knowing how how far he goes wandering. But but yeah, Klein to be effectively averaging around halfway, just beyond. Um, it was just it just shows you he's just got that mindset, and we need, we need to use him a little bit more. I think. Um, you know, he gets ignored for passes way too often. He's got the ability to cross well. He's got the ability to actually go past players. Uh, still got good pace. So, so I think the more we get used to playing with him in the team, um, the better he'll get as well. So, yeah, great, Excellent. great stuff. And I don't like to agree with DR about anything, um, but there we go. I have to. He, he's the man who found mouthwash cures COVID. But seeing seeing Klein on the uh, starting lineup with his little sort of like round number remind, takes me back to like football manager on the PSV that I had back in God two, uh, early two thousand nine two thousand ten ish time. It was just great to see um, him back on there as well for nostalgia reasons. But I, I, again, just having him and Zaha in the same team just fills you kind of with warm feelings inside. I think it's great as long as we can keep him in the keep him in the team and keep him fit. So what you're saying is get back Balassi in January. Oh god! Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I don't know. I wouldn't be able to control myself. Uh, yeah. Watching you... watching handball on the on the watch along and them three in the same team. I don't know what I'll be doing. <laughs> but did you see Balassi tweeted something? Uh, so everyone got a little bit, you know, whether whether you know was talking about whether or not he meant he was coming back to Palace. He put back soon yep. on a on a post, didn't there? Don't we talked about that before? But um, take him in a heartbeat. I mean. Well, yeah, we should, move, we should move on from this. Uh, although one thing I have to say, other than that, is that West Brom, all of their attacking came down Klein's side as well. So um, the fact that they only scored one and that was a you know a pretty amazing finish is is, is good. Um, Charles Meyer said uh, he'd like some thoughts on the centre back pairing. Continue with these two going forward, and I think he means in time rather than down the pitch. Um, I think it's a good pairing with Cahill providing a proven. Providing it as a proven leader and aerial presence, while Kawate's athleticism helps cover what Cahill may pack in that area. I think he means lack in that area. Um, but yes, uh, I think we get the point. I mean, a- again, uh, just to point out that Hodgson, after the game, said he has a real headache um, with, ch- with choosing the centre-backs. So he particularly mentions James Tompkins, who obviously wasn't even in the squad for the game, um, saying that um, a lot of the time they... They have tantrums and, and kick around the place and he has to deal with it. Um, and it is a, it's a nasty headache for him to have, but it's a good one. So, thoughts? I think we have to we, we have to learn from the Dan Cahill partnership that you can't have two players who are a little bit too similar uh, at centre-back. Um, this, I mean, Cahill still has a little bit of pace about him, but, but you know, obviously, he's, he's, I think he's a year older than Dan. But the two of them together... We're just we're just too slow uh, in keeping up with with Newcastle's forwards, particularly. I mean, you think about the fact they struggled against Joe Linton, which is a worry, but but they they certainly struggled against uh, uh, Callum Wilson as well, as a lot of people do. Uh, and I think it was absolutely right to take Dan completely out of the squad too. But Cahill does provide so much more than just a, a good centre back because you know he is still one of those. 
But as 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 Charles Myers said, the the leadership is extremely important. The organisation is extremely important, and I think Kiate looked better alongside him. You know, Kiate has been a something of a revelation and doesn't deserve to be dropped out of the team. You know, has had a few difficult moments. You know, particularly sometimes the clearing headers don't go the direction they should. Uh, if you know, for someone who you know plays a bit more at centre back, generally gets those a bit more right than he, than he does, but. It's a minor weakness, and there's nothing to suggest that we should be dropping either of those two at the moment. But certainly, top a fully fit um, and and match fit and and sharp James Tompkins is a fantastic player. Same with Mama Sacco. Um, so I can understand the dilemma, and, and arguably Sacco and Tompkins, you know, have been our best uh, centre back partnership for a very long time and, and were for a very long period. So it's an, an odd situation that we're playing what we would potentially consider a midfielder. And a 34 approaching 35-year-old centre-back as our best pairing. But don't change it if it's working. And it definitely worked in this game. Well, let, let me put to you, Si. If it was Ferguson and Mitchell, either side of them, would there be a different centre-back pairing because they'd need to be coached in a different way? I think with the with the two they've got, you know, seasoned professionals, both sort of 30, uh, probably don't, don't don't take the uh, the same kind of uh, shouting at that you'd get from Sacco maybe if it was uh, Tote Mitchell. What do you think? Yeah, I think that's a fair suggestion. I, mean, I, I wouldn't change anything, though. I genuinely wouldn't change anything how it's going at the minute. But I think, yeah, you, you would probably need a different centre-back pairing if it was for those two. But, I mean, that is those two in the squad, you, it feels like it's a real strong attacking presence with um, both people wanting to go forward. But I wouldn't change anything. Genuinely, that back four looks pretty settled to me. Um, obviously, providing Cahill stays fit. Uh, but, but yeah, hopefully we can keep this as a settled settled back four now because I think they look pretty pretty solid. It's well, a that, good that. point. It's a good point you make, Mike. Though because you know my view is that Tompkins pretty much made Wan Bissaka um, the player he is, um, and, and was absolutely superb in nursing him through those early games. Um, so potentially, yeah, you might might be right if, if Ferguson was there. Tompkins might do a better job than than Kiate. That's a that's a really good point. Where is Tompkins on that though? Is he still injured or is he? I- no, he's fit. He's uh, Hodgson said he's fit and available. Oh wow, wow. Um, so, so um, Hamba, I know you wanted to talk a little bit about um, PBA being targeted um, again. Yeah, um, I suppose it's it's more about the fact that you've got this you've got this trade off, haven't you? You get you, we know what we get from PBA, and we have to. I was kind of someone pointed this out to me on Twitter the other day, which you know, I have to accept as a valid argument, right? That if PVA was as good at defending as he is going forward, he wouldn't be playing for Palace. And I think I think that's a fair point. But I think we have to understand that trade-off because PVA was massively exposed for, for the goal. If you watch it back, it's not just about the fact that he dived in. It's the fact that he, you know, he, he only had one wing back to deal with. It's not like it was a fullback overlapping a winger. You know, he has, he has one player to deal with out wide there. Um, but... You know, he, he didn't didn't go with the player. He allowed him to run off him. He didn't look look at his position. He was eyes were focused on the ball, dived in, and, and it cost us a goal in the end. And we know PVA has that about him. There's times where he popped up in central midfield. Sometimes he popped up right wing. Sometimes he seemed to be centre forward. And there's times where I love that about him. And there's times where you just know a better team will absolutely punish you for it. Um, and it's those games. It's that that selection of selecting PVA and not expecting a good team to just absolutely waste you down that flank is is unwise and I, I my gut says if we if we continue with him you know go to go to Spurs next time out 
you know, it, it will cause a problem that wouldn't be there if Mitchell was there. And I'm not saying Mitchell's the perfect defender. I'm not saying we don't lose a bit going forward, although I do rate Tyreek going forward as well. I think he's been growing in confidence and is a very, very careful, calm and measured passer of the ball. Um, but I, I just see it as more of a battle than it appears to be. Mitchell's been right out of the squad, completely nowhere to be seen for a couple of weeks. And PVA's got that that spot and made it his own. And I just don't see where where that has been deserved, quite frankly. I agree. Yeah, fair enough. Um, I suppose we should quickly cover the main talking points. Um, so, obviously, the red card. Um, one word answer from both of you. Uh, should it have been a red, Si? 100%, undoubtedly. It reminded me of the one... Of, oh, sorry, not one word, but it reminded me of the one of uh, Milivojevic against Derby, where there wasn't much in the cup in January. There wasn't much contact, but he, 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 he leant forward with his feet. And it was a violent conduct. So for me, yeah, definitely red. Okay. Lot of words, both... lot of word. That was a lot of words. I'm just saying. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, it wasn't, but yeah, yeah. I, I think a few years ago it wouldn't have been, but currently, I'd, I'd, I'd expect that if one of the Palace players did it, it would be turned into a red on VAR. So if you expect it to happen to your team, then um, them's the way football's going. Um, but yeah, let's uh, let's talk the goals. Um, obviously, going one nil up, um, as uh, Dr. Politely put it, it's uh, Hodgson's wet dream, and then for them to peg us back, um, I think that shows what what you've already mentioned about the first half. But let's go on to uh, to the second one. Obviously, it's a sustained period of pressure before absolute wonder goal from Will. Um, that reminded me of the Huddersfield goal from a couple of years ago. Um, and Hambo, you wanted to ask whether that was uh, that was what gave us the impetus to go on and get the five. Yeah, I know, and I really think it was. I mean, first of all, I will say Roy talked about the fact that he sees um, Wilf do that in training all the time. And if anyone's watched the training videos at all, there's at least four or five of those from Wilf in every single one of them. So I, I get that. Um, but I genuinely think even with 10 men, even looking at the end result, if Wilf doesn't do that, it becomes a harder game with every minute that ticks by because we hadn't created anything too clear-cut. That second goal, that early, out of almost nothing, was vital in, in, in the way we, went, we were able to play after that because West Brom had no choice from there but to try and open the game up a little bit and try it. And they just left so much space in the end. And then they had to, you know, then they were just they were just gone when we scored the third, let's face it. They didn't know whether to defend, attack or what. And, and um, and the game, the game was done. But it's it just emphasises something we all know that without Wilf, we are half the team. You know, for him to do that, you know, there was lots going on in in, in that move. You know, lots of good play, but the, the just the absolute confidence. He didn't even have to think about shifting it back onto his right foot and where that was going to go. He wasn't really looking where he was going to shoot. He just knew about the connection. He knew where it was going to go. It was past the keeper before he could really move. Absolutely superb goal. And, you know, you just you just cannot love that kid any more than, we, than I do. And um, I just think, you know, had we gone 10 more minutes without scoring with all that pressure, that might have started getting in the players' heads. We're not playing with tremendous amounts of confidence up until that point. So um, vital, vital goal. And let's say at this point out, the man's now scored seven in nine games. I, th- I think Kane's only scored eight so far this season. So um, serious trade-off. You know, he could end up maybe get, oh, getting... I'm getting ahead of myself, but I was going to say he could end up with the kind of amount that Benteke got in the 
2017 season. But let's see if he keeps up with it, if he stays fit, etc., etc., etc. But after this brief advertisement, let's talk about uh, a lot of people's man of the match, Eze. Back of the Nest, sponsored by Pitch Sport. Fun time videos, choose your match day squad, post match ratings, and much more. Available to download on the App Store and Google Play. PitchDMM.com. So, yes, what you heard there was an advert for our lovely sponsors, Pitch Sport. Hambo, tell us how you got on with your predictions on the uh, on the app this week. I, I was wrong like I am most weeks, although I am still top of the leaderboard. You can add me on there. You can add my friend code, K-U-G-K-U-T. Uh, if you join me on there, you can compete with me in the Prediction League and uh, and start damaging my ego, if you like. But there's so much you can do on the Pitch Sport app. You can pick your teams, share it with, obviously, uh, share it on social media. You can also rate the manager, the referee, the, the lineup choices. You can rate all of that stuff um, post-game and just give your views on who the man of the match is. And basically, everything that you uh, contribute, both pre- and post-game, gets collated into statistics which Pitch Sport then share through social media, share with us, and we can then use that in the show to demonstrate how you are feeling at home about all the things that matter around Palace. And I have to say, after the Newcastle game, Pitch Sport tweeted us with their lowest ever manager rating, and Roy Hodgson got two out of ten in that game. Incredible stuff from a very angry fan base. And I think that was fair enough. Back of the Nest, sponsored by Pitch Sport. Fun time videos, choose your match day squad, post match ratings, and much more. Available to download on the App Store and Google Play. PitchDMM.com. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, Tell them, honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. So yeah, let's have a quick clip about uh, Roy discussing Eze after the game. A player who has seemingly nailed down his place at the moment is Eze. We talked to Wilf. Wilf was amazed at how he... As they just glides past players, is yeah. he a great, a creative player to have? But he's good. He's good. I mean, that's why he pays so much money for him. Really, the transfer fee can rise to twenty million, which for Crystal Palace, at least during the time I've been at the club, is, is like paying one hundred and fifty million really for a player. So it's an enormous investment from Crystal Palace in a player, and we made the investment because we believed in him. You know, the whole scouting staff, the whole recruiting staff. Uh, the whole coaching staff, we, we all thought, yeah, this is definitely a player who will make Crystal Palace better. And luckily for us, he, he's come on, come into the team and come into the club and right from the very offset, he's shown no nerves. He's shown us that you were right. You know, the player that you thought you saw, that's me. That's what I can do. 
and uh, we've been pushing him to show a bit more positivity because sometimes in training we see that type of performance, you know, where he really takes people on and glides past them or gets right in amongst them. We've been working on him to do a bit more of that and certainly rewarded us today because he, at times when he got the ball, he's unstoppable. And of course, we're doing the same with Jeff on the other side because Jeff Slip's got that ability too. Had to get the schlup comment in, didn't we? <laughs> um, I mean, it's, uh, so that suggests that um, he was very much uh, one of Roy's choices. Mm. Interesting that. I mean, I don't, uh, yeah, he, he obviously mentioned the scouting network as well and all that kind of stuff. And that's, I think it's no secret, that's where those recommendations come from. Uh, and it's, uh, you know, well, Les Ferdinand at QPR was pretty clear that we were we were talking to them about as a, uh, in a previous transfer window as well, but we didn't make the move for whatever reason. So, you know, I, I've got mixed feelings about that. But what I will say, you know you know my feelings on Roy at the moment, and a, and a 5-1 win doesn't change that, to be quite honest with you. But something in this interview did did warm the old heart and make me, uh, make me have fond feelings for the old codger. Um, and that was the look on his face as he was talking about Eberetri Eze. It wasn't... You know, you could hear him in that clip. He just, you know, he started already nodding and smiling and trying to answer the question before it was finished, because he was so keen and so passionate to talk about about Eze and his performance. You know, you can see that he's inspired by that kind of that the level that he's at, and and not just the level he's at, how he's adapted to the Premier League, and how he's taken on board the instructions that he's been given and what he needs to do better. And there's no doubt about that. You know, he was he was impressive from day one at Palace, but. He has certainly added more belief. He's going past players quicker. Uh, you know, the change of pace, the calmness on the ball, that's always been there, but he's just backing himself to do it more. Incredible close control. Phenomenal, phenomenal player. And he will only get better. I, I genuinely, you know, sky's the limit for him. Um, and, you, and, you know, you've picked out a, a comment from Wilf there, Mike. Yeah, I'll get a to comment on it. So, Wilf, after the game, said, uh, Eze's a quality player. He literally glides free people. It's nice having someone on your wavelength, and I think that's key. And that's a tricky player as well, because I I know half of the stuff he's going to do, so I just position myself to get the ball. It's been a joy. I mean, Sai, is, is, this, is this now finally um, the outlet that Wilf needs if he's taking the pressure from two or three players? Is is, is Eze the answer or is he something different to that? No, I think he's definitely that answer. And, and what a bromance form in there as well. I mean, it's it's pretty epic. And also, you know, if, if Eze can contribute to keeping my Prince Zaha at the club for another couple of seasons, that'll be worth the transfer fee, fee alone. It might be naive thinking that might happen. But yesterday I was kind of thinking these two could strike up a two-three season relationship where... You know, they just you know goals come flying, and, and and the quality on the on the ball increases as well. I mean, they were brilliant, and, and genuinely, you could tell Wilf knew exactly what um, Eze was going to do, and, and positioned himself for that for his second goal you know, as well. So, yeah, I think this guy's definitely for him. And and I've the biggest thing that's happened to me the last few months in lockdown is, is becoming Roy out at one stage, and I, I sort of I'm wavering a bit now on <laughs> whether or not I am Roy out after um, seeing. The comments are as said the same as Hambo. So, yeah, hopefully, if that if that front three can start start clicking, we might be having a a, a good few games ahead of us. I've got well, to say, you mentioned a lot for him that um, he's clearly got to Wilf, but he's also got to Hodgson, and these are two polar opposite personalities. Um, 
And, I, you know, I've only heard as I in a few interviews, obviously he's not been in the club that long, but he's clearly a very articulate, very intelligent young man that I could, I could see has a side that appeals to Roy. Um, you know, obviously can show his work ethic, can show his kindness, that kind of thing, because I think that's what Roy, you know, that's important to him. But then also that rugged determination that um, puts him on a level with Wilf and, and for him to have you know, that many facets to his personality and to his game. That is, um, that's impressive stuff. Um, right, Mike, just something that Sai said that really, uh, I, I think we have to cover. And that yeah. is for the, for Wilf's second goal, it was the reaction from, from Eze. I, I loved it because, and Wilf even put on Instagram a picture of Eze's face as he's, as Wilf is scoring the goal. And you can see the irritation on Eze's face because he thinks it's his goal and he's like, you know, straight away, he's, Wilf celebrates, punches the air, turns and then starts laughing at Eze, who's just giving him stick for nicking his goal. And, and it's all done, you know, in, in a lighthearted, smiley, happy way. But it's that, you know, you called, a, you called it a bromance earlier and it, it was just, you know, that that is a beautiful moment. That's proper team spirit. That's people working for each other and actually, you know, enjoying what they're doing. Having Having that kind of moment in the middle of a game, you know, Premier League football is such high pressure. Results haven't been great for Palace for a very long time. But in the middle of that game, to take that moment to to enjoy that bit of humour, that bit of bit of banter between them, and the competitive edge that it shows as well that Eze was desperate for that goal because he didn't get a direct assist and he didn't get a goal in a game where you know, arguably he was he was man of the match. And I'm sure, you, well, you have got some stats there that that demonstrate that. Yeah, we'll go through the stats. I mean, you can only take it from your own perspective when you think about these kind of things. You know, none of us have been in a, a dressing room in anything other than a Sunday league game. But if you take something at work, sometimes it just takes one person with that personality that is the kind of um, the, the cement that, that people use to sort of bring themselves together. Um, you know, they're the person that everyone turns to to ask the question or to make a joke. And if, if, if Eze is making himself that person to so much of the team, that's great. I mean, before that, you know, um, Wilf, um, he, he might, he might, he, they might, he might not have had too much in common with some of the members of the team. So, um, you know, if, if, if he's really genuine with this guy, then I don't think it's too much for, for, for what I said, that, you know, it could make Wilf change his mind. Obviously we're overthinking things a little bit, but um, it's the kind of thing that's going to make you stay somewhere. So his stats, so I, this is not necessarily the most reliable source, but it was tweeted a lot, retweeted a lot. Mizala Football um, said that he had 90% pass accuracy as they for the game, 82 touches of the ball, four key passes, two dribbles and one assist. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean... That's... That, the touches are incredible. I mean, we look at um, who scored most weeks and, you know... Uh, we usually peak out of somebody having around 42, 44 touches, something like that. That's what, what sticks out in my mind when I think who's who's seen most of the ball for Palace. So obviously a slightly different game, but 82 touches is probably, I would go out on a limb without even looking that it was far ahead of anybody else on the pitch. Well, it's, it's um, 513 for the whole team. So yeah, I mean, that's a pretty large amount of them. Um, but it doesn't even look like it doesn't even look like he's I mean, describe it, he's struggling or putting any effort on when he when he when he has the ball at his feet, and he's not like a a, a pacey player like a um, Yannick who I mean that'd be amazing if he comes back. But anyway, he's not really like that. It's it's all intelligence and it's all knowing when to use what pace he has. And yeah, the way he, the gliding is the right word because it just literally looks like 
the other players are all stuck in and they can't move because the way he breezes past them. Yeah, it does look really awesome. And the thing I was just thinking is just sad because for me, this is like one of the first I look for on the fixture list because literally down the road from me, I could be there in like 45, 50 minutes. So, um, yeah, it would have been great to see that that uh, live um, you know, happen on Sunday. But hopefully we'll get to see lots more of him because he's going to be quality, I think. Well, I hope we all get one of the 2,000 uh, tickets fairly soon. I don't think any of us got one for Spurs, did we? No, no. Um, although I think I would have done if I wasn't in a bubble with some some people, Mike. Uh, yeah, I wondered that. I wondered if bubbles mm. caused the problem. It was, it yeah, was Chris just... Clark that started the bubble, so it's his fucking fault. Um, so <laughs> Nineteen shots for the game, thirteen from open play, five set pieces, uh, and then the one own goal. Um, I think we, we've had our fair share of luck with own goals this season already. Um, so, so five goals from nineteen shots. I mean, that's a that's a pretty decent conversion rate. The um, the, the point on that though, second that a lot of that was second half. First half for quite a, quite a sustained period, we were one nil up, well one one with zero shots on target, which was yeah, we've done that before as well, haven't we? So, yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I think if we if we can sum up what we're discussing um, across this pod, it, it would be that. Um, it would be amazing to see that kind of performance throughout 90 minutes, but I think we're still a way off that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and I mean, what was, uh, what was evident a bit more, I think in the game, than perhaps recent games. Um, so the stats here, 460 short passes out of 513. So very much not, not much long ball football. Um, and I feel that that played a bit more into the hands of Benteke because we've used him, Recently, or certainly last season, as the outlet, the only outlet from long balls, and the fact that he doesn't have to play that role anymore, um, to me, suggests that um, he might be mentally more free to do what he likes. And um, if he's if he's keeps having to be this person that is the non-goal scoring forward, um, I mean that's going to kill anyone's confidence. So hopefully, um, the fact that there's a lot of short passes involved means that we're going down the wings, and he will get some more. A hundred percent on that, and and a lot of those short passes again without looking, I would suspect uh, considerably more than you might think were in the final third. So it might have only taken a, a couple of you know medium to long passes up to Benteke, for example. But then he just brought other people into play so much with, with so many options that you know we knocked it around in that final third a huge amount second half. So yeah, really impressed with that. hadn't hadn't seen those stats before, but um, yeah, it does reflect on how strong we were second half. Yeah, and the, and the one question, well, let's just end the as a discussion. Um, so, I, I mean, how how much difference do you think Eze makes the amount of chances created in in the last in the last few games? Because even when we didn't score, um, say against Burnley, um, chances were created. I think it was too slow. But um, is is he is he the hub for these extra chances being created, or or is he just one smaller piece in a bigger jigsaw of what's changed this season? No, I think he's definitely a key part in that just because it's, well, especially well, Wilf's not been there the last couple of games, but with Wilf at the same time, it's another player for the defence to think about, which so often it's just Wilf and, and, and that limits his his ability. But I think the major part of the game that uh, played the impact here was what, was what Chris referred to as players buzzing around Benteke. And actually, big shout out to Schluppi as well, who, you know, for Wilf's first goal, played a key role in using his pace and also being there and thereabouts. So, I definitely think it's a combination of definitely Eze, but also the way we were set up and actually having so many players around Benteke against West Brom that made all the difference. 
So uh, just to add on that, on, I mean, on, on Eze, this this was really, really, really interesting thing. I don't know if you saw Slavon Bilic's, um, sorry, Slavon Bitch, as you called him earlier. <laughs> um, I don't know if you saw his post-match press conference. And he, was, he was asked about how much difference the sending off made. And he went very, very open uh, in saying that actually, you know, our game plan was two players on Wilf, two players on Eze. And that tells you everything you need to know about the importance of having both those players in the side. That's, you know, four four opposition players, 11 v 11, occupying two of ours. And if we can't make good on that elsewhere on the pitch, as we often don't, that's, you know, that that is us worthy of criticism. And it shows you the respect that Eze has already created in the Premier League with so few games. And, and that he is absolutely an answer to the question. He is a huge, huge part of those those creative chances. And can I ask, you know, given that there's a potential battle on uh, on our hands in terms of national representation, that Eze still qualifies for Nigeria and is on record as saying, despite playing for the England under-21s, he hasn't decided where his international future lies. Does that potentially, a player playing to that level in the Premier League, if he was at a top six club now, Southgate would already be calling him up. We've seen him give chances to all sorts of players. Is there a church? Is there an argument? Hundred percent. But we know where that's going to end up, isn't it? He'll be playing for Nigeria because he won't, because Southgate won't pick him. But yeah, one hundred percent, he should be in. The, it should be in the team. And and you know, a lot of players that a lot of teams that have come up in the championship, you know, Leeds are the same. And West Brom was saying that that's the one of the even more than Zaha, the player that they fear was Eze from him being at QPR last season. So definitely, I think he's earned. He definitely earned that that respect. And and again, it's just. It just shows you having someone else who can take advantage. But I'll ask you this, Chris. I bet you 100% thought it would end up 1-1 or we'd lose after they went down to 10 men. And I think the difference for us not happening was having Eze on the pitch to to drive forward and, and, and make that difference because so often we, we struggle against 10 men. No, it's, it's a fair point. Um, but Roy's face when he was answering those questions from that clip earlier on tells you all you need to know about how he feels as well, which was you know, the relief and the joy of having that option. So, yeah, I agree. Yeah, I mean, the one thing I'd say about Nigeria is obviously sometimes the African Cup of Nations is mid-season. But otherwise, um, if it was my son, I'd tell him to fuck off to Nigeria because it'd be a lot better than playing for Southgate. Possibly Um, you might need to rephrase that for being misunderstood. (laughs) (laughs) In the nicest possible way, yes. Um, Yeah, no, if it's the choice between Nigeria and the way England are playing at the moment, yes, definitely Nigeria. So, uh, let's go on to a bit of listener feedback. <laughs> Quick, what a one one sentence answer from both of you for Alan James Tilbury, uh, Tilbury A on Twitter. Are we good or are we bad? It's not quite. What you, or did he say that? Have you edited that? Are we good or bad? Are we good or bad? Um, we are absolutely both of those things. Um, but the, the, it's a, it's an endless debate, and I got into a, a, a debate I just had to end on Twitter after. I posted some really negative stuff at, at half time, and to be credit to the the Palace support out there, or to the fact that most people ignore me, I did only get two "told you so"s at the end. Um, but one of those ended in quite a long debate over essentially saying that I overrate the squad and it's not as good as you think it is, and the midfield are rubbish and and all this kind of stuff. And we, we you know, we're a, we're a fifteenth or sixteenth place, and I'll never be convinced of that with the squad that we've got. I, I really won't. Um, so I think we're a good squad that has underperformed more often than not. And, you know, if we can learn the the less the positive and negative lessons from the West Brom game, 
you know, there's so much to take from it positively, but we need to still tackle the things that were wrong in the first half. If we can do that, then we can be a very, very good Premier League side. Well, I just want to uh, quote Heskiff, put something in the WhatsApp chat, Heskiff of the preview pod, to say that his friend that is a Southampton fan, so obviously we beat them at the start of the season, said that he hasn't seen a side where there's a bigger gap between their ceiling of their performances and the floor of their performances than Palace. And I think that probably sums up Alan James Tilbury's question. Um, Sorry, this one's for you from uh, Andrew Hepburn. How do we change yesterday's defence to address Kane and Son? So obviously he's referring to this week's game against Tottenham. Oh, I, I don't mean. Really, I think I don't. Again, I don't think we need to change much of the defence. I think we'll find it easier against um, Spurs next week because they'll they'll come at us. I think I think they'll they'll go for us and that'll give us more opportunity to use our counter attacking um, strengths. I think we'll we'll probably maybe well we'll definitely start with Luca and. Um, MacArthur thinking about it in terms of both sitting in front of the, the back four and then I think we'll rely on our pace up top so I don't think we necessarily need to change much in the defence and I think next week may suit us more than playing some of the teams around us That is ridiculously optimistic but fair I'm enough reeling, Absolutely reeling from it will be easier against Tottenham <laughs> than, than from... You know what I mean, you know what I mean in terms of um, you know, for, they'll, they'll probably leave us more spaces potentially by in fact, they'll come at us rather than... Haven't we gone without scoring against them in the league in about seven of the last eight games or something? We, we love a 1-0. Um, although, okay, but, but Son, in particular, turns into prime Messi against us, just destroys us every time as well. I'm going to tell you, we're going to win 2-1 against Spurs. I've, I've said it. Ridiculous. Right, can, we get, uh, can we get that clip out later on just to hammer Si next week? Rob2, at Rob underscore T on Twitter. Dare we dream that Ben Teke is back? <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> why not? Football's all about that, isn't it? It's about it's about believing. It's about you know suspending your logical beliefs at times. You know, one game it doesn't. We we all know in reality, one game doesn't mean that Benteke is going to score seventeen goals in a season again. But but if you look at how he did score, the first the first one is getting his head to something that was probably too low to head. Um, and and I've got to say this as well: both his strikes went through the legs of defenders. So. That just on another day, it will be Benteke would have hit would have hit the defender's legs twice with those chances, and we won't be we would be talking about Benteke missing chances again. But he got the luck that he deserved from an astonishing performance. And as I say, forget the goals, just forget the difference that two goals makes. Other than the fact it adds a huge amount of confidence. Look at the overall display. That is a display of a proper striker playing a role with, with the kind of competency, passion and commitment that that you need. And for that reason, you can definitely say Benteke's back. He just like needs that. to reproduce it. I like that, Chris. And I saw the tweet. If anyone's seen that on Twitter, it's brilliant. It said, Benteke scores a brace for Palace. Light the beacons, light them up. And there's a bunch of lighting beacons across, across the country <laughs> and Benteke scores a brace. But Bless. yeah, I agree. I agree. I think it could be it could be back. could be the old Benteke back. If we, especially if we keep the players buzzing around him like we did on, on Sunday. Right, I'm going to say no, it's not. Um, Johnny, at Johnny Thatch, Benteke, never been more chuffed to see a player score discuss. I was trying to think of somebody I was more chuffed to see score that went on a, a longer streak of not scoring, but I, I'm not sure. Can you think of any off the top of your head? Well, the, la- the last time I was that happy uh, for a player to score was Benteke. <laughs> when, yeah. When, when he scored the penalty, if you remember. Uh, yeah. That we yeah. gave him. After, left, after, yeah, I remember that. Yeah. After the horror penalty that he'd missed previously, 
Um, he was he'd stolen off a of Luca. Um, being given that chance for redemption, that was the last time I was that happy. So he has the, well, the honour of being the first and second most recent players for me to be pleased to see him score. So there you was go. That the I, game where we scored five against them as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I remember. I remember also. I reckon um, my two favourite was when Adi Adi Akinbayi scored one of his only goals. I think one of two against. I think I remember it was. But he took his shirt off and ran the length of the pitch after about <laughs> games. And then and when IU scored against Wolves, they're probably the other two. Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, are you crying? Maybe, are you? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Or maybe maybe Adi Bayor against Spurs. <laughs> yeah. uh, so, Richard Evans on Facebook, on Match of the Day, they were making a big thing about saying it was not a red card and saying it changed the whole game. Surely it was a deliberate retaliation and retaliations are not tolerated. <laughs> Excellent choice <laughs> of word. Or, also, the way we dominated them in the second half seems like a lot more than just a one-man advantage. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's that's a fair point. We we were better. You know, we, we can excuse the fact that West Brom were down to 10 and that's the reason why we won the game, but... We were very, very good. I think even Ian Wright said on Match of the Day that the way Palace were playing in general, he felt that we would have won that game, irrespective of it being um, 11 versus 10 for, for a lot of it. You know, we talked about it and we all kind of jokingly, one one word answer, well, side 2,000 word answered and I said yes. But um, the, the argument that they put across was, you know, get common sense back in the game, just... In the past, somebody would have looked at that, like the ref would have looked at that and seen, yeah, it was a petulant little kick out. But he said, guys, just get on with it. You're not hurt. You shouldn't have done that. Just get on with it. And I can I can see that argument, right? That's, that's a, you know, that, but that's the, the past. We are in this sort of clinical age of analysing everything to the nth degree. Um, and that includes the decisions on the pitch for, for red cards. And frankly, I don't care. We, we've, it's gone against us and this time it went for us. So happy days. Well, I just want to paraphrase um, Football Ramble Pod, which I was listening to earlier when I was taking a nice walk to Asda. And uh, the woman on that said, is there ever really an excuse for putting your football boot in a man's balls? Um, (laughs) Fair fair enough. Uh, Jack Keedney, Roy in or out? (laughs) Um, I think we'll leave leave that one there for this week, shall we? Uh, Jordan Adaya, how Zahar and Benteke partnership can move forward? the one thing I wanted to say on that, which I, I didn't say earlier, was I think in the past, in my head, um, they very much played more when it's been a sort of four-four-one-one with one behind the other, um, and now, now we're playing with so much more urgency going forward, so many more players, so many more bodies. Um, the fact that there's not such an enormous gap between the two of them, I think they just got to carry on doing what they're doing, like they they, they did against um, they did against West Brom, to be honest. Yeah, keep keep picking them and. and- you know, Zaha has looked good against Benteke far more uh, in, in the past than probably gets recognised. Um, I think some of his better performances statistically have been when he's played up alongside Benteke. The two work well together. Um, it's quite natural for Wilf to play that, and he's a he's a better player today than he than he was back then as well. So, yeah, play them together. That would do it. And let's uh, get you to finish off, Si. Um, so it's a fairly depressing one from Henry Silas Birch. With Eze being super explosive at the club, and can we not turn this into an ejaculate comment, please? Because you've already mentioned jizz three times. Um, with Eze being super explosive at the club, how long can we keep him for? And can he keep us afloat if if Sahar leaves soon? I mean, 
That is negative, isn't it? That's like I don't know why I chose that on the last. It's mate, um, is it Dave who always moans about? Yeah, Yeah, miserable Dave. No, I I think I'm not worried about that. Both of them are going to stay for at least another four years. We're going to be finishing sixth (laughs) every season, and Hodgson's going to still be here, and it's going to be happy days. Whoa, whoa, well, on that note, um, just want to uh, do a bit housekeeping, just say. Um, obviously we've mentioned already the YouTube channel um, thanks for subscribing if you haven't uh, DR particularly puts a lot of extra stuff on there that doesn't get covered on here post game um, reactions obviously when when he's angry or happy or you know and, and people including yourselves if you'd like to get involved random people just come on have a, have a word with him um, that's good and various other stuff on there as well um, obviously we've got at least two pods for each game a preview and a review show the preview guys will be back midweek. We would have thought discussing uh, discussing Spurs, and then if you uh, if you do subscribe to us on your chosen podcast app, please make sure you give us a decent review. Apple reviews particularly really help us. Um, you know, it's just like shouting from a, a megaphone out your window, telling everyone to listen to back in the nest, which you can do as well if you want to do that. Then then please do, but um, otherwise, just stick us a review on there. It really helps. Uh, so thanks a lot for listening um, and special thanks to everyone that got in touch we couldn't read them all out as usual but they all helped form the show so keep them coming uh, thank you to Hambo and to Sai and to festively Christmassy Sam for producing so until next time come on you Palace Back of the Nest Review Show sponsored by PitchDMM.com The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.